But we thank God for you tonight, and we're going to get right into this word tonight, amen, and not going to prolong the night, amen. So where do you think we're going tonight? Anybody know? Huh? <laughs> Matthew 25? We might go there. What if we, um, can we start off with Jeremiah 1 and 5? That's a good one. Yeah? Is that a good one or not? Okay. So we're going to go to Jeremiah 1 and 5. Or is that 1 and 5, 1 and 6? Is that 5? Amen. Jeremiah 1 and 5. And uh, I like it because it's very plain as far as God's plan for an individual. Amen. Remember, God is not a respecter of persons. What he did for somebody else, he'll do it for you. All right? He'll do it for you if you, if you qualify. Somebody say amen. 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 If you qualify, he'll do it for you. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Said he would, right? He will. He will. He's not a respective person. He is a respective principles. Everybody with, with faith in the Bible, they got healed. When they got close to Jesus, they got healed. One with the issue of blood, Jesus wasn't planning on healing her. Didn't know she was going to be in the crowd, but she had faith. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And she got her healing because she had faith. Those people that lowered that man down in the roof, Jesus wasn't planning on uh, Peter's roof being towed up. He wasn't planning on that. The Bible says when he saw their faith. So if you do what people did, you will get what they got. God is not a respect of persons, but he does respect his principles that he's established. Y'all write these words down. These are so strong. Faith. Obedience, wisdom. Y'all, that's all you need. That's all you need to win. Get you some faith. Get you some obedience. Huh. Jesse Duplantis says, people say that he probably has more faith than them or greater faith. He said, I don't know if I have greater faith than you. I may have greater obedience than you. Greater obedience. And wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. You got to get some wisdom when you're trying to do something. Because the wisdom tells you which word? The how. How am I going to get it done? And wisdom can be divine. The Bible says, don't have sensual wisdom. And it's not talking about sex. It's talking about wisdom of the senses. What makes sense. What seems available. What seems feasible. This seems likely that we'll be able to get this loan. Or likely that we'll be able to afford this church or this house or what have you. All right? Wonder what the feasibility study was for the Israelites to cross over the Red Sea on dry land. Wonder what the feasibility was for that. Huh? Wonder what the feasibility was or the likelihood was that they was gonna probably drown or be killed by these people. Hello? Right. So Moses didn't have time to do a feasibility study. Thank God. But he had some faith. And he has some obedience. And then he had a word of wisdom. Did y'all know that? He was operating the word of wisdom. How? How was that the word of wisdom? Anybody know? Anybody know? Because God told him how to part the Red Sea. Lift the staff. <laughs> That's all he had to do. We've been trying to, man, get some blowers. We can get some fans. We can get... We need a pump. We need a pump. No. no. Raise your staff. What's in your hand? That was a word of wisdom. 
was not a word of knowledge. It was the how. Somebody say amen. amen. So what I say you need? Faith. All of those three counters fear. <laughs> I'm afraid. Get some faith. I'm afraid. Are you doing what God told you to do? Just go ahead and do what he told you to do. Well, I got to get rid of the fear. No, you don't. I love what George Bond said. Do it how? Do it afraid. <laughs> do it with your knees knocking. Hello? Yeah, just, just, what did Nike say? Just do it. Huh? Come on, mama. One of your favorite songs from the, from the 70s. And after you did it one time, what you going to do, mama? Do it again. <laughs> do it again. That's the other thing. We start doing something, then we get inconsistent. Hello? How many times we don't open up this church? How many times we don't open up with praise and worship? How many times we don't have prayer? How many times we don't talk? Come on, somebody. We're just going to keep doing it. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Then we're going to be doing it somewhere else. Bigger and better, somebody say amen. amen. We just stay consistent. African Americans don't like that word. Consistency. Need some consistency. How many times you heard that? Huh? Your trainer ever told you, you need some consistency. You do good when you come to the gym, do you need some consistency? Hello? Amen. Yeah, just keep doing it. Somebody say amen. Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed, who, who formed who? God. Before I, God, formed you in the belly, I knew you. I knew you. Now, this, this really gets into something. Paul said, um, before he knew sin, um, like when he was a child, he had no sin in him. I forget the scripture we always go to for that. But where are you before you're born? Do you know where you are? Where are you before you're born? You know? Anybody know? Huh? You're with God. Because you know, your father was the father of your flesh, but God is called the father of all what? Spirits. Your spirits was with God. And he knew you. He saw a problem because everyone was created to do what? He saw a problem and then he caused you to be born. That's your son. Before I formed you in the belly, before I formed your flesh, I knew your spirit. I knew, I knew who I was creating to be the solution for the problem I saw on the earth. Y'all, there were no more problems on the earth. There'd be no need for anybody to be born. People stop being born. God creates everything to solve a problem. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came forth out of the womb, what happened? I sanctified you. I set you apart. I gave you purpose. I gave you purpose and I sanctified you and ordained you. Ordained means I gave you the authority and the power to do it. I ordered your life and made every crooked way straight for you to do my assignment. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> My son, he, he laughs at the, the rap that we came up to. Run DMC. All he had was the little beat. They had a song called Hard Times. Boom, 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 boom. You know why people be having hard times? Because they don't be doing what God told them to do. 
If your life is just hard, 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 just hard, 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 harder than hard, hard, just hard, 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 it's just hard, everything hard, hard, hard. You're not doing what God told you to do. <laughs> Facebook, your screen is not froze. They're just not saying anything. The audio didn't go out. If your life is hard to the hard, 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 it's because you're not doing what God told you to do. No amens on that. No, I don't care. I don't care. Let me show you how it life's supposed to be. Can I show it to you? Can, can I show it to you? Let's go over to Matthew. Chapter 11, verse 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. What does it say? Let, let's, let's start at uh, 28. Let's start at 28. Go back to 28. And expand it. Put it in the Amplified. I'm sure they're they killing it in the Amplified over here. Y'all, this is supposed to be your life. We read a lot of scriptures. We read a lot of scriptures and they become cliches. When a scripture becomes a cliche, that's when you need to go back and study that for like two weeks. Because you're not getting nothing out of it. I know the thoughts I have toward you. Everybody have that on the Facebook page. Ain't nobody doing their assignment though. Come unto me, all ye that are weary. We got some weary people in here. People that are burdened, trying to figure it out, trying to get their hustle game on. I'm living with other people. I'm doing this, doing that. Come unto me, those who are weary and heavy burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. Come to church and talk about the problem that I had. I had just couldn't see the soul too soft. Prayed and I prayed, prayed, Lord. Just turned it over to Jesus. Our church, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. All you are, you got religious rituals. You have no peace. You're weary. You come to church, sing about the goodness of the Lord, sing about the power of God. Hear about faith, what God can do, what he's done for other people, but you're weary and you're heavy burden. He said, Jesus said, if you come, follow me. If you come unto me, I'm going to give you what? Headaches and heartaches and the back of somebody's shoe on your neck. What did he say? What did Jesus say? He said, if you come and get with my plan, I'm going to give you some rest, and not only that, I'm going to give you some what? Refreshing. Man, I was working out this morning. I went and rode my bike, came back, and then Christian said, well, Daddy, I'm going to go work out too. So I said, well, I'm going to work out with you. Man, I couldn't keep up with that girl. She had some app, and they was doing the, <laughs> doing the planks and the push-ups. I did, a, I did a few. It was hot up in there, man. I came in the house, I had some water with lemon. Y'all, that was refreshing. And some of you live from season to season in a quandary, in confusion, in debt. I owe this, I owe that, I got to go for a ticket. This, that, that, and that. They trying to take me to court. Problem after problem, drama after drama. Y'all, that is not the way of God. Some of y'all must be having a heart in here. Y'all can't even say amen to that. If you get in your assignment, y'all, Jesus said, come unto me. This is what Jesus said. Woo! I remember back in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> That's why I love Fred Price, because he had testosterone. He was teaching in the Maybe Center. Everybody was there. Everybody was anybody was there. Charles Caps was there. Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts' wife was there. 
anybody you name. Marilyn Hickey was sitting in the audience. Everybody was sitting in that audience. Big faith people. Brother uh, Avanzini, all of them, sitting in that audience. And Carlton Pearson was in the audience. And he had said in the service before, Everybody keep telling me how easy it is, how easy ministry is supposed to be. Well, it ain't easy. And Fred Price stood up in front of everybody because he was all robber's boy kind of, you know. He said, Carlton, ain't nobody lying to you. He said, I didn't say it was easy. He said, Jesus said it was easy. I said, Y'all, y'all think I'm bold. Y'all, that took some boldness right there. And he didn't care if the audience said nothing. I'm, I didn't say it was easy. He said it was easy. Somebody say amen. amen. And I'll give you rest and refreshing for your souls, your mind and your wills and your emotions so pent up in turmoil all the time. Does it ever have any rest? And it doesn't because you're not in the will. Next verse. I know it's good. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Everybody underline that or write that down. Learn. That means you're going to have to be prepared. You're going to have to have a season of preparation. Don't just up jump the boogie and go do something, and you don't know what you're doing. Somebody say amen. amen. People think, oh, I can just go start a church. Hey, have at it. I'll give you $100. Go do it. <laughs> go do it. Go do it. <laughs> think it's easy. <laughs> go on out there, man. I promise I'll give you your first, your first $100. You better be ready. You better get some preparation. He said, take my yoke, learn from me, following me as my disciple. Uh-oh, we said, talked about that. For I am what? Gentle. I'm humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest, renewal. Not the backside of somebody's shoe on your neck. Everything is hard, hard, hard. I can't do nothing. I ain't doing that work for me. Because you're not in the will of God. I'm just going to tell you, man. Y'all, when you're in the will of God, stuff is easy. So last week, my wife planned this trip and stuff for me and the boys. And then, you know, and then we looked it up. And I was going to... We was gonna fly in because Jared wanted to fly and he likes to fly. So we gonna fly in and then you know we get a get a car. You need a car. You need a car in, in Dallas where we were. So need a car. I mean we could have drove, but Jared wanted to fly. It was part of his graduation gift. So we say, well, we're gonna fly and get a car, just like we always do. Only problem, Courtney, was there were no cars at the airport during the pandemic. Everybody sold their cars to keep their business afloat. So Avis and some, some people merged, and then they sold their cars. So now there's a car shortage. In Hawaii, rental cars are $500 a day right now because there's such a shortage. So I said, well, God, we can't fly there and, 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 and you know, no, don't have a car. Might as well drive. Well, what did you tell your son? Well, I told him he's going to fly, but it don't make no sense to go there and we don't have no way around. I said, all right, God, you figure it out. He said, no, you do what I told you. I got you. We get into Dallas. I'm going to tell you how stuff is easy. Are you, you got your faith there, on? Okay, because I'm going to tell a faith story. All right, so he told me to go. What I tell you to do if you're going to make it, what's the three things you need? Faith, faith obedience, wisdom <laughs> so we fly into Dallas no car for where we got to go Uber's going to cost us $400 the whole time I mean just back and forth 
At least we're going to spend $400 on Ubers for where we got to go. <laughs> so we're riding down the freeway, 12 minutes. 12 minutes, mama, with the Uber driver, I get an unction. I get an unction to call this man named Steve Hammond. He's the guy told you, taught me about discipleship. Haven't spoken to Steve Hammond 10 years. I ain't seen him in 20 years. Just haven't seen him. I get the unction to dial his number. But what does that feel like? For, I don't know. I just, I just picked up the phone, dial it. When I dialed his number, we're passing his exit. I don't know where he lived. Ain't nobody from Dallas. Come on. How many suburbs are there in Dallas? Where you live? I, I don't know the district. Irving and Arlington. I don't. There's DeSoto, it's Oak Cliff, it's the Colony, you got Louisville, you got Carrollton. You got, I mean, it's just all of these little Plano, all DeSoto. Right? All around. And plus, I haven't seen this guy in 20 years. Rondy, you're in town? Finds out he wasn't even supposed to be home. He was supposed to be at a counseling session. Counseling session, counseling at the last minute. That's the only reason he was at home able to take a call. Man, you, where you at? I said, Bubba, brother, you about, you're right there by my house. I said, yeah, man. He said, why are you taking over? I said, well, I ain't got no car at the airport. Rondy, come over here. I, man, you can take my wife's extra car. I said, nah, bro, you know, you don't want to take nobody. I ain't even seen this dude. Like, I'm going to take a car? I could have been proud. Huh? The Holy Spirit said, God said, dinner tail's going to take care of you. Yeah. Man, come on. Where you at? So the Uber said, hey, man, I can take you over there. Don't make it me. So just rerouting the thing. Oh, man. So by this time, you know, it took me a minute. We 12 minutes away from his house. Because the only reason we was 12 minutes away because we didn't stop at the very moment. So I turned around, got to the house. He out there working like a Shebu slave, you know, just sweating, man, getting the car cleaned up. <laughs> got the Uber, man, you want something to drink? Gave everybody some drink. Man, come in here and sit down, man. Gave us, hey, you keep the car as long as you need it. Hello? What you need first? Faith, some obedience, and wisdom. If you're going to make it, amen. Man, that title's over there. Amen. If you're going to make it, you got to have that. That's how, what I'm saying, here's my point. That told me a couple of things. Number one, are we supposed to be on this trip? Are we supposed to be on this trip? Are we supposed to be on this trip? Absolutely. Because God did something totally supernatural. And we drove that little Hyundai everywhere, amen? And he said, and if, if you guys leave before we get, you just bring the car back, you know, put the key right on the wheel. Because we blessed him too. Somebody said amen. Gave him a nice gift card. Hello? All of that stuff. But he made it what? Easy. It wasn't hard. Even though I couldn't see the way. I just obeyed God. Amen. Hello? Amen. And I can't tell you how many things we do like that. Over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> it's just easy. How do I know the will of God? Had an unction Sunday evening. Get ready to go away just for a few days for the fourth and stuff, you know, after Sunday service. Called a friend who had a timeshare in the spot. And I said, hey, man, you know, I want to take the family away. You know, I know you had a timeshare up there at, at this particular lake or whatever. He said, uh, man, I'm headed up there right now. Oh, wonder where we're supposed to be going. Y'all, that stuff happens all the time. To know the will of God. Hello? Amen. To do the will of God. 
Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Learn from me. See, we don't learn the hustle game and getting your grind on, all that from the world. Jesus said, no, learn from me. Come on, somebody. Get out of Oprah's life class and come on into my class. Somebody say amen. And follow me as a disciple from gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest and renewal and blessed quiet for your souls. You know what that was when we got that car? Refreshing. It made things easy. <laughs> Hello? Amen. How many of y'all want to be in the will of God? Amen. How many of y'all want to be in the perfect will of God every day? Y'all, that's when it's easy. When you're in the perfect will of God, like when you where you're supposed to be, that's when people just drive up and give you $1,000. I was supposed to be here today to give you $1,000. If you're not, y'all, how do you know? I look at this stuff, I go, man, I'm so glad I listened to God. Amen. Hello? Because if I would have did something else, I wouldn't have been there. John Olstein. Everybody say John. John. John Olstein wrote a book called A Place Called There. A place called there. God told Elijah to, to leave where he was and go to another place. And he said, There provisions will be for you. You know where your money is? It's in a place called there. And there may be a geographical place or there may be an assignment. Soon as you get there, all your money going to flow. Amen. What's the three things you need? Faith, <laughs> Soon as you get there. What do you think going to make you rich? Man, if I hit these numbers though. <laughs> What's the statistical possibility of that? Y'all, I don't need to hit no numbers. I'm in the will of God. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So we're going back to your assignment. Are y'all with me? Yes. If your life's not easy, and, and here's what I'm saying. Your assignment won't always be easy. There'll be things that come up. There'll be challenges. There will be warfare, all that. But listen, what when you... Every time, in the middle of whatever, if you get quiet and hear God, he'll make it easy. All that struggle, y'all, all that struggle and frustration, that's works of the flesh. That's when you're in the flesh. All that, that's the flesh. Jesus didn't do nothing like that. Just demon come out. No, no. No, he didn't do nothing like that. Lepers to be healed. You know, they do that in the movies, you know. He got to. <laughs> now, Jesus, they, they, you know, they have to make it dramatic. Now, did, did he fall out because he cast? Now, Jesus. Now, Jesus. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. When he did things, he did it supernaturally, naturally. He walked up, boom, wasn't no fanfare and stuff. Unless there was a crowd around his side. But everything Jesus has done in my life, Gina, how hard was getting that house the second time? That was the easiest thing we ever did in our life. Was get a $400,000 house with no money down in 28 days and close. <laughs> Because we was in the will of God. Now, had we been out of season trying to get that the first year of marriage, it would have been and all that disappointment. Hello? No, you just get on track with God. The cars, you know. I don't know what people think. I, I can't even imagine what I would think about us. Well, let me say this. How hard? In, any of those cars. The, in, 
I'm talking, you talking easy as pie. Everything God has done for us over the years have been easy as pie when we was in God's will. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, we, you know, can't say we didn't have opposition. Only thing we fighting is the good fight of faith. Fighting that stuff in your mind. All that doubt and stuff that the devil bringing. And he knows if he wins with the doubt, you're not going to get it. But if you overcome the doubt, it's all, it's all a mental thing. The, the battlefield of the mind, that's all it is. If you conquer that in the mind, you got it. And it's not hard. Anybody ever got a healing in this church? Ever been healed? How easy? Was it hard or was it easy? If you did what? Had some? Had some? <laughs> and walked in some? Found out how to do it. Hello? That little project you had, mama. Now, we had to put a little pressure on some contractors, right? But how hard was it? Getting the money for it? Getting a, was that easy? Easy. When you're in God's will. So the number one thing that you ought to be striving for every day is what? The center. Come on. Come on, say the center. I want to be in the center of God's will. Come on, lift your hand and say, Lord, I want to be in the center of your will. I don't want to veer to the right. I don't want to veer to the left. I don't want to be distracted. And don't let my preferences stop me from your preferences. I want to be in the center of your preferences. In Jesus' name. Some of y'all had two hands up. Some of y'all said that, that's just where we're in. Hello? <laughs> Your assignment, y'all, is not hard. I want to say that. Your assignment, finding your purpose, your assignment is not hard. It's not hard. It, it's, it's easy because you was built for that. That's, that's what you were created for. Hello? It's like asking Jordan how hard is it to, you know, shoot a basket. Steph Curry, how hard is it to make a three-point? Right? Easy. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying? Or Fred Hammer, how hard is it to sing a tenor note? It's easy. Right? He was born for that, right? Okay. When, when you find your assignment, your purpose is easy. You was born for it. And it's not hard. Everybody, let's say that. It's not hard. It's not hard. My, finding my assignment is not hard. And I'm going to find it. <laughs> Once I find it, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? I'm going to do it. Amen. Here's a recap from last week. We said that you're a solution to someone's problem. Remember that? If you haven't written that down, you need to write that down. You're a reward for somebody. You're not a reward for everybody. You're not everybody's cup of tea. Some people can't stand you, and some people can't do without you. Somebody say amen. amen. I'd rather stay with the people who can't do without me. Hello? Amen. I'm going to help them haters. Yeah, deuces. Don't call me. I won't call you. Don't worry about it. Hopefully, we'll see you in heaven. Hello? Amen. Amen. I don't want to be around nobody. I want to be around me. Jesus the same way. Y'all, that's not fleshly. Jesus was not around people. They didn't want to be around him. He wasn't kicking down the Pharisees, though. They couldn't stand him. Somebody say amen. amen. He wasn't tagging around, trying to find coffins and all them people. He was not. Showing up at Pilate's house every five minutes. Hello? No, that's, what I, that's not what he was doing. He stayed with the people that wanted to be with him. And most of those people were the publicans, the sin of the common people, tax collectors, people that was outcast. He stayed with those people. 
Somebody say amen to that. Are you good with that? And we talked about that a little bit last week. All right. Someone needs you, not everyone needs you. Okay? Here's another thing we said. Let me see if you can finish this if you wrote this down. You don't decide your assignment, you what? You discover or discern your assignment. You discern or discover your assignment. You don't decide your assignment. Somebody say amen. amen. It is essential that you discover your assignment and give yourself totally to it. It is essential that you discover. It is essential. It's a must. I'm going to say it one more time. That's where all your money, your success, your prosperity, your peace, all of it is tied up in you finding, following, and fulfilling the will of God for your life. Now, remember we talked about the workup, right? Talked about being saved, salvation. We talked about the pre-work. We talked about salvation, discipleship. The third one was what? Who remembers? You still got the graphic? The call. The call. The call. The call. Y'all, if you're in discipleship and can't do some simple stuff, your life group partner, uh, leader is telling you to do, man, don't worry about no calling and assignment, though. Y'all, that's the pre-workup. Hello? That's like you were trying to run track, trying to run the 440, and you can't even come out the blocks. You don't know what blocks is. You fumbling batons. Like you, that's stuff you do at home. Hello? Amen. People ran track. Come on. In the hood, you saw them with the baton. Stick, stick. They just practicing. Right? You can't even get a ball, hike a ball or get a ball from a center. How are you going to be a quarterback? That's just pre-work. It's pre-workup. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so y'all, discipleship, growing up. Hello? Amen. Then the call. Yeah? Thank you, brother. The calling. Now, I want to talk about the calling tonight. The calling is not so that you go out and launch out and do it. I had an old Baptist pastor when I accepted my calling to preach. I thank God for that, brother. I do. Taught me a lot of good stuff. Asa W. Sampson, Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church on Crestmont in South Park. But he would always deflate the preachers. We had to do what they call the trial sermon. You know, your first sermon. Well, the church was packed on my first time, wasn't it, Mom? From the front to the back, they wanted to hear the boy wanted to preach. See what he going to say. And he would always say, this isn't a calling to preach. This is a calling to prepare to preach. And he was right. He was right. Your calling is a calling to prepare. And depending on what your calling is, I'm called to be a teacher. Can you just jump out of high school and teach? No. <laughs> now you can go over there and be a clerk or a teacher's aide or drive the buses. But they want you to prepare. And I only wish some of those teachers would have prepared a little better. <laughs> but the calling is preparation. Somebody say Amen. How ready are you for what God has called you to do? As you prepare, everything in your training prepares you for your reaction. They say when the military trains people, they train them and watch their reactions. When the police officers are trained, they train them and watch their reactions. When firefighters are trained, they're trained and they watch their reactions because all these people are first responders. They have to respond to emergencies. So they want to see 
in a pressure situation, in a hostage situation, in a shootout situation, how are you going to respond? What is your reaction? <laughs> so this is going on to your assignment. I've been saved. I know I'm saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm going through a modicum of discipleship where I'm not a babe anymore. All right. What is your calling? And then once you get in your calling, there's going to be preparation. And the preparation is to train you for the right reaction. See, before David defeated the Goliath, what did he defeat? The lion, the bear, right. That was training ground for his reaction. Y'all, and we say that lightly. Now, bro, who going to be out there with the lions, though? I'm not taking that off. That ain't part of my assignment. Somebody say amen. amen. Not going to be out there messing with no lions. I mean, a lion? Are we not talking about them zoo lions? Y'all be throwing the little cokes at me. They all doped up and stuff. No, no, no. We talking about them jungle lions. The ones that we watch way from over here on Netflix. Right? And they be tearing them gazelles and zebras up. I mean, don't need no hot sauce, nothing. Just be like, ooh. He was practicing on the lions, y'all. And then the who? Have y'all seen a bear? Y'all, bears are bigger than me. Like, they, y'all, I don't, five, six hundred pounds? Clawing? Come on, somebody. He taking the bears down. God prepared him for Goliath. What kind of reaction are you going to have with the lion, though? Uh, he'd have been running. He'd have never got to Goliath. Somebody say amen. You go through preparation time. <laughs> when I'm getting my turn, can you clean the restroom now? <laughs> okay. Have a seat. <laughs> What Wendy Williams say? Have plenty seats. <laughs> Hello? The boot camp, once you get your call, is how do, it's training you. He didn't back down from the bear. He didn't back down from the lion. Now he ready to face Goliath. And y'all, I don't believe he just whooped one lion either. I think he was training on some lines out there because they kept, kept trying to get the sheep, right? Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Your reactions. Yeah, I want a business. Mm-hmm. What's your reactions though? Number one, what's your reactions to a crisis? Do you lose it? Do you have a meltdown? Oh, Jesus. I feel a story coming on. <laughs> I got two sweets by Regina stories. I don't know which one I'm going to tell. You want me to tell the one when I almost got killed or the one where everybody had fun down in the carpet? The one where everybody had fun down in the carpet. <laughs> now, we had done Google AdWords. Google AdWords came out. And y'all, them things was working. And my wife was hungry in her business, and I told her, you don't turn down nothing. You say yes to everything, because you're going to learn. See, she was getting trained, right? So this lady called. Oh, I wish I had a picture of that. We got a picture somewhere. And she wanted... Jewelry boxes on a plate with a bow on it. I mean, a nice fondant bow, gun paste bow. You know how I know about all this gun paste? This thing, gun paste fondant? You, this story going to tell you. How many she wanted, Jim? She wanted 180 of these little mini boxes 
that she could put on this plate for this dinner. And it was going to be on a charger plate with the little box, gift box, and it was going to have cake in the inside, and it was going to have the fondant and the gum paste, and the fondant was like brownish, and the, the gum paste was a black bow. I'll never forget this. With glitter on it. I said, hey, Gina, you might want to get started on this because this is going to be a job. I know what I'm doing. Nobody <laughs> tell you how to do your stuff. I said, hey, babe, you writing books, I don't be telling you nothing. I said, babe. <laughs> I told her again because I knew we coming into the weekend, man. Babe, did you get the fun done yet? Hey, Randy, she over at mama house, chit-chatting and stuff. It's Thursday. Now, this lady want these things in Beaumont by Saturday at 6 o'clock. So, she got the fun dye. You got to roll the fun dye out. Then you got to put the dye in the fun dye. I didn't know that, I mean, back then... She couldn't have bought all that in that color, and it was different kind of color. So you have to buy the fondant plain, and then you got to work the fondant and work the color in. But mind you, all 80, 180-something got to be the same color. And this lady done paid thousands of dollars in deposit already. I said, hey, babe. So then it, it got to, it, it, it hit her like Friday evening. Babe, I'm not going to be able to finish this. This is, this is too much. So by Friday evening, we got 20 of them done. It's Friday evening. So I'm a mathematician. <laughs> I say, okay, how many can we get done in an hour? Because then we got, y'all, this was when she, I, I think Christiana was like three, four, or five. What else was she? She was five. Anissa was what? Nisa was nine. I mean, I think we even had Jared in there. Everybody. I walk everybody up. I say, y'all, do you remember this? Y'all, I calculated how many minutes it took to do one of these boxes. And we had 160 to go. Y'all, when I tell you nobody slept, like we worked all the way up until 4 o'clock. From 10 that Friday night to 4 that Saturday morning, and we got them done. In between, my wife had a meltdown. She went, oh, I can't do this anymore. I said, girl, you know, to these people money, we got to do it. Come on, we can do it. What's your reaction to a crisis? See, that's going to prepare you. You getting your assignment, it's going to be some, hello? And we probably shouldn't have even took that gig. But it was, you know, and it was an experience. It taught a lot. It taught all of us a lot. Taught me more about finding out the gun pace I ever wanted to know. Was that Franklin? What's the, what's the, uh, from Wilton, Wilton, Wilton. Man, and then we had to go to multiple stores because they ran out of fun dime. We was all over trying to find the stuff, but we got it done. And I remember, did I drive or you drove? I forget. We, she had to hold the thing in the back. It was crazy. And once we got there, oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And we put them on the plate. Before the guests got in. Yeah. You got to go through boot camp. Amen. And a lot of us going to be OJT, on the job training. And when we got back home, y'all, fondant, gun paste, all in the carpet. Y'all, we couldn't even get that stuff out. It was, it, we just had to take an L on some of the, we, we got as much of it as we could. And then we just pulled that carpet up a couple of years later, put wood now, because you couldn't get it out. But it was, what's your reaction? 
you got to go through times of preparation. So now when she got to get brownies out and get 100 out and 200 out, y'all, it's nothing now because she's been through that kind of pressure. Somebody say amen, amen. and overcame it. Amen. And she was wigging out. And, I, you know, it's almost like you got slapped. I ain't slapped nobody, though, because she would have came out of quick. Wait a minute now. <laughs> but it's like you have to, you know, baby, get yourself together. We got to get this lady on stuff. She counting on you. She trusted you. Hello? Amen. What's your reaction to a crisis? What's your reaction to rejection? Your assignment, you're going to be rejected sometime. As good as Gina d- does what she does, she's had some bad reviews, just a couple, about something that was silly. Still came back and said, but it did taste good, though. <laughs> you're going to have some rejection. Somebody say Amen. What's your reaction to that? Will it stop you? And your assignment, will it stop you? Huh? And you and God's not gonna give it all to you one time. He's just gonna, he gonna train you. He's gonna give you a little, you know, he's gonna give you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Somebody say amen. amen. What's your reaction to correction? What's your reaction to correction? Hello? Oh, Jesus. I told one of her, let me tell one of me. We got into the book publishing and we started publishing books for other people. And we had this big book. And this was when we were part of Full Gospel, Paul Morton and stuff. And the pastor, the bishop we did the book for, he had a table at the full gospel thing in Atlanta. It was the big convocation for the full gospel. Paul S. Morton, our table was right next to Byron just table. And it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And we had 1,000 or 500 of those books printed. Beautiful cover. The only problem was they printed the wrong file, the unproved file. So we had Paul Morton's full gospel thing. I'm the publisher. I'm standing by my product. Somebody picked the book up. Pastor Randy, it's, what kind of, oh my gosh, it's too many mistakes. We can't sell these. Y'all, I had to eat a thousand books. Do you know how much money that is? It makes you want to throw up. <laughs> make you want to vomit. And then I'm embarrassed because I said, do you think that, that we put in line some protocols for double-checking proofreading after that? Absolutely. But I got chewed out by multiple people. I had to take that because I deserved it because I didn't do the job right. And it was a lot on the line and people put a lot of money into it. Hello? What's your response then to correction? See, when you get in your assignment, (laughs) y'all, it ain't going to be no glass staircases, y'all. When we say his joke is easy, it is. But he say, learn of me. So you got to learn his way of doing stuff. You got to learn excellence. Come on, somebody. And, and, and his ways is not our ways. Hello? And when, when your house is appreciated for $100,000 and you, uh, $180,000, but you signed a contract with a man for $70,000, you go ahead and take an L on that. And then get money, 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 right? Money been coming ever since. Because <laughs> he, he got, Jesus has integrity. And he's excellent. Somebody say amen. amen. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do, right? So whatever your assignment is, whatever problem that you was born to solve, y'all, you're going to have to learn it the kingdom way. 
And when you make a mistake, you're going to have to eat it. Hello? And you have your, you have your own business? Yeah, I want my own business. Ain't nobody tell me what to do. Get ready to get chewed out real good by some customers. And you got to be professional. Talking about losing your religion. No. Come on, somebody. My mama been doing good. <laughs> she told me today, I ain't cuss nobody out, Pastor. I ain't cuss nobody out. People doing our, the contract wasn't doing right. Somebody say amen. amen. You, 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 God, God he's training you. Somebody say amen. So the calling is the calling to prepare for your assignment. Are y'all following me? Every spiritual battle that you are facing or have faced in life, this is so good. Every spiritual battle you faced in life have been most certainly sent to stop you and your assignment. All the major battles you've ever had, it was over your assignment. Y'all remember Moses? They started killing them babies. Y'all remember that? They had to put them down the river. Why? That was a spiritual attack on his what? Not because he was a baby boy. It was on his assignment. The devil knew that there was a deliverer coming. All his cousins now got killed. Yeah. All his little family members. They'd have been rolling part. They got killed, some of them. And then some of the midwives like, no, nah, we ain't killing nobody. They stopped the killing. They said, we, we, we do whatever punishment we need to. Come on, somebody. So we're not killing no babies. Hello? Amen. Mm. What are some people at the boys and queen just say, we ain't doing that no more? All spiritual warfare in your life is to, number one, break the bond to those who are assigned to you and your assignment. That's number one. We're going to go back over these. Number two, to make you doubt your assignment. Number three, to make you fear your assignment. Number four, to make you quit your assignment. All the spiritual warfare that you've gone through in your life is to, number one, break the bond and those relationships to those who are a part of your assignment, to make you doubt your assignment, number two, spiritual warfare came to make you fear your assignment, and number four, to make you quit your assignment. How often have the devil tried to get you away from me? <laughs> or away from people who were going to shoot straight with you, who's going to tell you what it was and hold you accountable. How often and how easy is it to get in relationship with them folk that ain't no good? Huh? But the warfare, every good relationship, Every real man or woman of God who trying to help you, not trying to hurt you, not trying to get in from you, always, spirit of offense, all that, try to get you from them. Some mess to try to break that apart. Always something. That's what the warfare is about. Hello? I remember I was getting ready to get married to this woman. So much warfare. Devil sent every <laughs> whatever you want to call them women. And I had made no announcements. The devil knew though. He knew I was going to get married. They came out the woodwork. Just, just come over one more time. No, I ain't coming over there. Hello? Trying the warfare, trying to keep me from the person that I was assigned to and that was assigned to my son. Hello? 
was the welfare? <laughs> oh, yeah. Great warfare. Somebody say amen. amen. Mm -hmm. Wants to break the bond, the invisible bond, the invisible bond of those who you're assigned to in your assignment and those who are assigned to you in your assignment. Number two, to make you doubt your assignment. You ever been through something so bad? You're like, man, forget this, yo. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Talk to any pastor worth this talk. <laughs> he will tell you. You know, most Mondays, pastors quit after they look at the offering and the attendance. They do. It's very discouraging to some pastors. Not me particularly. We do pretty good. Somebody say amen. But Monday is quitting day for a lot of pastors. They give up. I mean, that's statistically true. Discourage. Great warfare to make you doubt your assignment. What was number three? To fear your assignment. I mean, if I do this and I got all of this, you know? I mean, it took a minute after that ordeal, Jenna say. Cut Google off. <laughs> but she got back out there, though. It didn't take too long. And she got, you know, you, sometimes you got to recoup. <laughs> you got back up and recoup. You say, okay, I'm ready. Amen. Ain't nobody quitting. Somebody say amen. amen. Number four, to make you quit, give up. Throw in the towel. You will feel unqualified for your son. So we don't lean on feelings. Somebody say amen. amen. Jeremiah, that same scripture before I formed you, 1-5, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and approved you as a chosen instrument. Before you were born, I separated you and you were set apart and consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Then said I, Jeremiah, oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I'm only a youth. But the Lord, he felt unqualified. But the Lord said, to me, say not I'm only a youth. For you shall go to all whom I shall send, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. You're going to feel unqualified for your son at different times. That's okay. God never used nobody qualified. He sent a man that couldn't even talk to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He had a speech impediment. Come on, somebody. Never use anybody else qualified. He told a man with a withered hand, stretch out your hand. Told a man that couldn't walk, take up your bed and walk. He, ne he never called anybody else qualified. Somebody say amen. amen. You don't have to be qualified. All you need is Jesus. Amen. Be strong in the, in the power of his. Yeah. You don't have to be qualified. All you need is three things. What? Faith, obedience, and some wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. He said, I feel unqualified. <laughs> Here's another common feeling. You'll want to do somebody else's assignment <laughs> rather than your own. God, why couldn't be, you know, <laughs> why couldn't have that ministry? Hello? Yeah. I remember when I first started preaching, I went through a lot of phases trying to preach like other people. Four or five years went through the Tony Evans phase trying to preach like Tony Evans. Then I went through the Jasper Williams phase trying to hoop it out. Then I went through the John Jacobs phase. John Jacobs from the pod team. That was when I was getting in the youth ministry telling a bunch of them white stories and stuff. Now I went to the Reverend Blade phase. You remember Reverend Blade, Shreveport? Brady Blade. He tell jokes when he preached, make everybody laugh. I got up telling jokes one, one time. I went to Flunkersville. Flunkersville is preacher's lingo for, yeah, everybody was sitting there like this.
Don't judge me. I went to my T.D. Jakes face. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Everybody wanted to preach like Jakes now. Anybody's preaching through my time, Jakes came along. Everybody wanted to preach a little bit like Jakes. Jakes can preach back. I'm talking about fat Jakes. Greasy with the Jericho Jakes. Go back and watch some of them. That brother could flat just preach you under the pew. I always want to minister like somebody else. He said, no, you're an end times preacher. That's your assignment. Jeez. I'm glad we got to hear. Because at least sometimes people want to hear it. Did nobody want to hear me in the 80s and 90s and the 2000s? Talk about no, no end times? Through the Grace Church uh, Sacred Friendly Movement? Everybody coming out with Hawaiian shirts and jeans, preaching? Nobody want to hear about that. Somebody say amen. amen. Grace, grace, grace. Yeah. They want to hear it now, though. So oftentimes you're before your time and God is preparing you for your time. Somebody say amen. amen. So be wary of comparing yourselves to other people. Imitation can be a great training tool, but you cannot be anyone but yourself. Second Corinthians is the last scripture. Now that we have had the audacity venture to class or even compare ourselves to the same, to some who exalt and furnish testimonies for themselves. However, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding and behave unwisely. So don't compare yourself to anybody else. Nobody has your assignment. If somebody else had your exact assignment, you would be unnecessary. There's nobody on the planet doing what God has called you to do, what God needs you to do, and what God wants you to do. The problem that you were created to solve is unique to you. There may be other people that are doing similar stuff, but nobody can do your part. And that's why it is essential that you... Discern and discover your assignment. Every head bowed, every eye closed.